Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From KCBS Radio, I'm Mallory Samara in for Matt Pittman, and this is a bonus Bay Current episode for Tuesday, May 31st. Today, we're bringing Asian Pacific American Heritage Month to a close by talking about one of the most famous civil rights activists from the Bay Area, Fred Korematsu. 80 years ago, on Memorial Day in 1942, Korematsu was arrested on a street corner in San Leandro for refusing to go to the government's internment camps for Japanese Americans during World War II. He was taken to San Francisco County Jail and convicted of defying then-President Franklin Roosevelt's Executive Order 9066, which authorized the U.S. military to displace over 120,000 people of Japanese descent from their homes and into American prison camps across the country. He eventually appealed his case all the way to the Supreme Court, but two years later, the court ruled against him, upholding his case only for it to be thrown out 40 years later. In this bonus episode of Bay Current, we'll hear more about Fred Korematsu from his own daughter, Dr. Karen Korematsu, founder and executive director of the Fred T. Korematsu Institute, based in San Francisco's Presidio. She came to the KCBS radio studios to talk to me about her father's legacy. My father thought it was was wrong, uh, you know, to be put into a prison camp without any due process of law when he certainly was not charged with a crime. None of the Japanese Americans were charged with a crime, uh, did not have uh, access to an attorney or a day or their day in court uh, when this executive order was issued. And. He learned about the Constitution in high school, so he thought he had rights as an American citizen and clearly thought this was was wrong and wanted to live his life like everybody else. He was born here in Oakland, California. So he's he's an American citizen. He's from right here in the Bay Area. But even then, 
he was treated, you know, as if he was not a citizen, right? I mean, it he didn't even have to be a citizen for him to be treated like he, you know, was not worthy to be here. Yes. And, and in fact, when his draft card was changed to enemy alien, that really upset him. I mean, he had tried previously before even Pearl Harbor to enlist in the armed services, both the uh, Coast Guard and the National Guard, but they turned him away just because he was of Japanese ancestry. And that was at the time the talk of the of the draft. And he just was really upset about the way he was being treated. Even after his arrest, he was vilified and ostracized by his own Japanese-American community when he was finally sent over after his bail hearing to the Tanferan Prison uh, Center in San Bruno, California. Mm. Um, at the moment now, we're building a memorial for education and remembrance of that time in history. And just going back a little bit, um, his parents were Japanese immigrants. It says that they ran a floral nursery business um, in Oakland, California. Is that right? Yes. Actually, my, my grandparents, I mean, they came over separately early uh, 1900s. And my grandfather was able to buy land in East Oakland because it was zoned as industrial oh. and built a home and greenhouses. Uh, and that's actually where my father was born. So it... Uh, is near the the school, the Korematsu Discovery Academy that was named after my father. And so, like many of the Japanese that lived in California and up and down the West Coast, they came from agricultural families. Mm -hmm. So the government actually had gone over to Japan because of the bad economy there and took advantage and recruited uh, Japanese nationals like my grandfather to work in agriculture up and down the West Coast. And that's really the backstory of the Japanese American incarceration because they did so well in agriculture that the outcry from the other growers was, you know, they're taking away our, our land, they're taking away our jobs, which, you know, obviously we've heard from the time of the Chinese Exclusion Act, you know, until now to the Latinx and Hispanics that have come up from South America and Mexico to work in our agriculture. And I see here that after he was turned away by the military that— um, he trained to become a welder and was eventually fired because of his ethnicity in his job there, too. Yes. Um, actually, the day after Pearl Harbor, which was on a Sunday. So on Monday, my father reported to the ironworks and he um, fell into a, a paper slip in his time slot and that said to report to the office. And that's when he was a, was fired, as were other Japanese Americans who had any type of job that was related to the government or the military. So they just didn't want, they didn't want people of Japanese descent to be affiliated with the government. Is that right? Right. And that was mm -hmm. even after the day after the Pearl Harbor. Wow. When he defied the order to be interned, you said that the Japanese American community sort of turned against him. Could you tell me what that was about? It was a very scary time. I, I, you know, we have to realize that. And no one knew what was going to happen to them. They were, you know, you, if you can imagine that you are forced from your home, mm -hmm. you can only take with, with you what you can carry in two hands. Mm -hmm. You don't know where you're going. You don't know the conditions um, weather-wise. I mean, it, all the 10 incarceration camps were built in desolate areas, either on tribal land 
out in in the middle of nowhere where where it was very hot in the summertime or very cold in the wintertime. There was no such thing as air conditioning and central heating. And to have food that wasn't even part of their regular diet. The Japanese Americans ate a lot of fish and rice and those types of, of vegetables that is part of their culture. And, and there was you know no access to that. Yeah. And the conditions that they had to live in, I mean, I think this is what people don't know, were inhumane. You know, we, we treat animals better than we treated the Japanese Americans because Tanferan was a racetrack. You know, it was home of Seabiscuit. Uh, for those horse fans. And and first, the Japanese Americans were put in horse stalls. All they did was whitewash the walls, uh, have an army cot, a blanket, dirt on the floor, and a light bulb. And that's how they had to live three or four months before they were sent away to one of the 10 permanent concentration camps that were across this country. And those conditions were not really that much better because they were barracks and there was no privacy there was just central latrines, one for women, one for men, and mess halls. Uh, it, the family uh, life was was disrupted, and people had to demand even education for their children and try to create some type of a normalcy for their lives. And, you know, this all took place in the Bay Area, yes. which now I think some of the veil has been lifted, you know, for some people, but we— oftentimes pride ourselves on being more progressive. And so to think about this history in a, in a place, in a bubble like the Bay Area, it's almost unfathomable, but it's also, it's also not. Yes. I mean, I even, I was born in Oakland as well. And as and my brother was born there too. And, you know, we, we experienced racism and prejudice growing up. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we grew up in San Leandro, San Lorenzo area, but this still happens. I mean, the bullying takes place in different schools and areas, you know, even in California. And so that's why the education is so important to to learn and appreciate our differences instead of being afraid of them. Prejudice is ignorance, and the only way to fight that in our, our most powerful tool is education. In 1998, Fred Korematsu was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor you can receive in the U.S. by President Bill Clinton. Following years of activism and work as a member of the National Coalition for Redress and Reparations, lobbying for the passage of a bill that compensated each surviving incarcerated Japanese American $20,000 and an apology from the U.S. government, And after 9-11, he spoke out once again, filing a friend of the court amicus brief for two cases, appealed before the Supreme Court on behalf of Muslim inmates who were held at Guantanamo Bay. It's very sad when we have to to emphasize that that's important, the the importance of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. My father thought that the government was wrong to issue Executive Order 9066 and these military orders, and he was right to take a stand. And, you know, it, it's, it can be scary. Yeah. Um, but he did this not only, you know, for himself, but when he, especially when he reopened up his Supreme Court case in 1983, he did this all, also for the, the, his Japanese-American community, even though they had, you know, vilified and ostracized him. But also... He didn't want something like the Japanese-American incarceration to happen again. And that's why he did speak out, especially after 9-11, when there was talk about 
rounding up Arab and Muslim Americans and put them in American, um, you know, concentration camps again. Why he spoke up during Desert Storm before that time when when the when Arab Americans were being targeted. So this is this is where history, the teaching of history, has lacked in the in our principles mm-hmm. uh, of right and wrong, and that's what we're trying to hopefully have students learn now. He would continue his activism until his passing in 2005 at the age of 86, when the advocacy torch was passed to his daughter, Dr. Karen Korematsu. It says here in 2010 that the state of California passed the Fred Korematsu Day Bill, making making January 30th the first day in the U.S. named after an Asian American. Uh, Would you mind telling me about that bill? Well, it's very heartwarming, obviously. Yeah. It was thanks to uh, former Assembly member Warren Furtani and former Assembly member and then Senator Marty Block, who introduced this legislative bill. And they made sure that it was bipartisan and were able to um, have it passed in, in both houses in, in within 10 months, with, which was very amazing. This was in 2010 when Governor Schwarzenegger signed the legislative bill. And as you said, it, it's it's Fred Korematsu Day of Civil Liberties and the Constitution, mm. which is on my father's birthday of January 30th. And the importance to uh, to this day and that recognition is about our civil liberties and the Constitution, especially now when our democracy is on attack. And we need to remind people that our, our Constitution is a, uh, is a strong part of, of our history. I mean, even elected officials swear to uphold and protect the Constitution. Yeah. And it gets dragged, you know, through the mud left and right, as it is being now, and, and, and misinterpreted, I think. And so we also have the state of Hawaii, uh, Commonwealth of Virginia, as they like to be called, the state of Florida, even uh, New York City. And earlier this year, the governor of Arizona, Governor Ducey, signed the legislative bill establishing Fred Korematsu Day of Civil Liberties in the Constitution for the state of Arizona. It's not a holiday yet. You know, we're working up to that. But the point is education. And people learn and remember by story. So hopefully they'll learn and and remember Fred Korematsu's story and his fight for justice, uh, how one man can, can make a difference in the face of adversity. The work of the Korematsu Institute has evolved from our curriculum to making that social justice responsibility as our goal in encouraging others to make this country what it should be. And how has your Japanese-American heritage also informed your work and, and the things that you do? Well, everyone should learn about their, their own culture that's part of their story. People need to know their own stories so they can appreciate others. But, you know, I take pride in, in being Japanese-American. I mean, I, I actually, I always hated these forms that, that made you kind of check whether you were Japanese or, or white. And, yeah. and I'm, you know, half Japanese-American for my father and Caucasian for my mother who was born in South Carolina. So I would just check both boxes and let them figure it out. Uh, (laughs) I'm the same way. I'm Filipino and and Caucasian, too. And that's that's what the beauty of this country is, is we're we're multiracial in many different ways. But our, you know, to be Asian-American 
and even any Japanese American, I feel that my culture helps me also to be considerate to others and learning how when you go and visit someone at their home, you always take a gift. My grandpa, Korematsu, always, when even when he came to visit my family, brought something, you know, yeah. for us. And it's a matter of, of respect, you know, within our families, but that's part of our culture. And I think sharing our culture is important, um, especially at this time, because, you know, we have, we're finally getting back to travel. Um, and when we go to other countries, we want to be respectful of their cultures, even though we're American, just because you've had Japanese food mm-hmm. in, in Japantown in San Francisco doesn't mean it's the same as it is in Japan. You have to learn how to me. hold your chopsticks a certain way yes. and yeah, be respectful to that yes. culture. I, I think about that sometimes and how different cultures, uh, the diaspora, you know, we're used to um, maybe made to feeling like we're not in our own home or maybe that we are somewhere that is temporary. And I think that sort of um, or or if you've been moved out of your own country unwillingly, I, I think that there is that extra consideration that we take or are taught in our families to be mindful of where you are, be mindful of your space and the people around you. Right. Right. And to take responsibility, you know, especially social responsibility. So even judges would misquote my father's Supreme Court case and and the experience of the Japanese Americans, uh, the incarceration as the same thing as, you know, the the civil rights violation and the same thing as being uh, ordered to stay at home or to wear a mask. Um, Those are not civil rights violations. It's our social responsibility to be vaccinated if you, you know, if, if, medically possible, I might add, or, you know, age appropriate, of course. But that's what we need to to encourage, because this is about all of us. This world is not just about us yeah. individually. It's about all of us. And uh, we, you know, hopefully will learn that kind of, of respect. I mean, all the tragedies that we are seeing, the, sh- the gun shootings, it's it's horrific. And it reminds us that we have so much more work to do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me about yours and your father's, you know, legacy and and what you continue to leave behind. Um, Is there anything else that you want to uh, add about your father, about the work that you're doing, what's coming up? Yes. Well, actually coming up, we're working on a traveling exhibit uh, that's going to tour the United States mostly in those areas uh, in the Midwest and in the South, about the Japanese-American incarceration, but also the relevancy of our issues today of immigration and national security, and also the history of Asian-Americans and how they've been marginalized. Um, I I think we need to, to be able to get into those areas of the country that where they don't have that kind of education. That's how we're going to make a difference. And so also I would ask that people remember my my father's words to stand up for what is right and don't be afraid to speak up. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Karen Korematsu, thank you so much for joining me. Special thanks to our very own KCBS radio anchor and reporter extraordinaire, Holly Kwan, who interviewed Fred Korematsu in his home decades ago before he passed and pitched the story to me. New episodes are out every day, and we'd love to be a part of your daily routine. Please subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or just about anywhere you listen. 
We're also on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Mallory Samara in from at Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.